Okay, Chris again. Okay. <laughs> so here I sit in that in that paradox, you know, that space in between. So forgive me if my mind is not clear. And uh, I'm going for it anyway. I'm going to show up anyway. So one interesting thing that um, is sort of the crux of what we're working on here is this idea of pain and suffering, right? And then is it optional? So some teachers, I'll hear them say, pain, not optional. We're all going to experience pain. Suffering, totally optional. I'm just going to let that settle for a second. Pain, not optional. Suffering, totally optional. And then how I, in my mind, sort of break this down, when I think about that, sort of pain goes under the category of, what can't I control? Right? There's a lot in our lives, in our world, that we can't control. And then, what can I control? What's not optional? What is optional? And then, so if I were to ask you, you know, just really actually throwing out the question and asking, you know, some, you throw back to me some answers, what do you think you cannot control? The past. The past. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The weather. Well, we can talk about that a little bit. I wonder with climate change if that's true. You know, it's it's a good it's a good probably at one point would have been a good scientific argument and it might be shifting. <laughs> but yeah, when you're on vacation and it rains it sucks, right? And you're like, I can't control this, yeah. Growing older. Pardon? Growing older. Mm-hmm. What other people do. Yes. <laughs> What else? Who's going to be in your class? (laughs) (laughs) Very good. (laughs) Keep going. Just throw it out there. What What can't you control? You know, there's more than that. Those are big ones. Those are important ones. We've had death. We've had growing older. We've had other people. Sickness. Sickness. Time. Pardon? Time. Time. Politics. <laughs> <laughs> if only, if only there was a true democracy in our country. <laughs> and how other people judge you. Mm-hmm. Right. What other people think. So when I'm sitting and my knees start hurting, Mm -hmm. I can't control that. Mm -hmm. Thank you. 
So maybe that's the non-optional pain. Right. Mm-hmm. But how I respond to it is... You're on to something. (laughs) She said how she responds to that pain (laughs) is optional. What else? Catastrophes, natural disasters. Mm -hmm. Society, culture, norms. Did you hear that? Society, culture, norms. Your children. (laughs) (laughs) So again, other people. (laughs) <laughs> I mean I have a long list um, gravity which we talked about in our group earlier it's like dang it dang it you know <laughs> if only <laughs> we try multi-billion dollar businesses around trying to control gravity and, and aging right <laughs> People try real hard. A lot of suffering around that. A lot of suffering. So anyway, we could we could go on with that a bit. And I have a long list. A lot of it is scientific, like polarity and rhythm and gestation and heredity. You know, your eye color, your height. You know, there are certain um, certain ways that people are looking at DNA now, which is really interesting to play with. But for the most part, heredity, right? Being being born into a certain family, mm-hmm. our parents, you know, that whole thing. So the things we cannot control. How much time do you guys spend trying to control those things? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Other people. Other people. Mm-hmm. Aging. Mm-hmm. Death, even. The way that why me story around death. There's a beautiful Buddhist story called the mustard seed. And um, this woman in a village, her child, her child died. And she comes to the Buddha, and she's just heartbroken. She's torn up, and she says, please, 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 you know, bring my child to life. Do something. This isn't right. This can't be, you know. This is a good story. (laughs) This is a story we can tell. (laughs) Um, And he instructs her to knock on all the doors of the houses in the village and ask who has never had Somebody die and get a mustard seed from that house and bring it back to me. And she goes knocking on all the doors of the people in the village and she doesn't come back with one mustard seed. And so in that, she finds, she finds serenity and she finds peace because it wasn't personal. Right? These what-can't-I-control situations that we spend a lot a lot of time truly deeply suffering over now the death of a child of course we're going to suffer we're going to grieve that's going to be painful and that's not what I'm talking about but the idea that it shouldn't happen or it's not going to or it can't is where we get very delusional and delusion causes us a lot of suffering and I think the biggest place is Really, what, what many of you brought up was other people. How much time do we spend trying to rework them? So then, the, what can I control? Where, where are we with that? What can, what can I control? My toenail color. Absolutely. <laughs> As you should. Her toenail color. 
<laughs> Hallelujah. Can we react to other people? Great. Our perspective. Mm-hmm. What I focus on. Yep. What I put into my body. For sure. <clears throat> Unless you're on retreat and you don't have a lot of choice. <laughs> Good thing they appreciate <laughs> they as well. <laughs> My attitude. Yeah. Um, our words. <clears throat> our words. Yes. My interpretations. Mm-hmm. I'm not very good at controlling a lot of these things. <laughs> so this is why we're on the chair. This is why we're here. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit. What I read and watch and listen to. Very good. Yeah. Did everyone hear that? What she reads and watches and listens to. How I spend my time. How you spend your time. My intention. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Comes out of my mouth. Right. People in my life. The people in your life. My limits and boundaries. Mm-hmm. My, my work. work. Your work. The people I choose to spend time with. Okay, thank you. Because yeah. <laughs> I was kind of going, I was yeah. going to come back to that, but yeah. something else came real quick. People I choose to spend time with. Yeah, good. Okay, so now, so now we're in that domain. Right? What can I control? Now imagine <laughs> that you're in a room with no windows and no doors. <laughs> imagine, you know, this idea around, like if we could really completely agree and understand and have the view and vision <laughs> that what I can't control, I could put down. Just like pretend. And that your domain laid in, lied in, which is the right one, teachers? Laid in, lied in. Your domain laid in the area that you could control. Lied in? Lay. Resides. Your domain resides in what you can't. Just that area. Just that area. There's this story that I love, and it's a very simple story, and you've probably all heard it many, many times. But it's called Autobiography in Five Short Chapters. Have you heard this? Some now, some now. It's very short. Chapter one. I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I am lost. I am helpless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find a way out. Chapter two. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place, but it isn't my fault. It still takes a long time to get out. (laughs) Chapter three. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it is still there. 
I'd fall in. (laughs) It's a habit. My eyes are open. I know where I am. It is my fault. I get out immediately. Chapter four. I walk down the same street. There is a hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. Chapter five. I walk down a different street. (laughs) Such a great tale around this. You know, those things that I can control doesn't mean that we're going to. We can. The possibility is there. We can know that cause and effect are real. That if I do that again, if I say those words again, if I think that way again, chances are I'm going to fall in that hole. The quicker we catch it, the easier it is to get out. Right? And the more we build this mindfulness muscle is where we get to the place where we can walk, we can choose choicefully something like that, walk down a different street. And so that's what we're building here. That's what we're developing here. And this idea of clear seeing helps us know when we're walking down the same street again and falling in the same hole. When it's not my fault, I didn't see it. It's not my fault, right? That's when we're just mindlessly doing things. I have to say the hardest thing for me here, and this is so gross, but I'm going to tell you guys anyway, is not putting toilet paper in the toilet. Gosh. I've been fishing my toilet paper out. I can't, I just. Maybe that's why you're sick. That's <laughs> See, I need your friends. I need your friends. But it's like, really, Joanna? Every time. I mean, today was better. <laughs> but I kept falling in that same hole. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> can't be that awake all the time. But we can certainly, it's like that moment of recognition. And I wasn't there last night, but I'm pretty sure Aaron talked about it because I heard about it. That moment of returning, like that welcoming return. Like, oh yeah, this is where I am. And now I have the opportunity to do something different. I heard quite a few of you say, I am so tired of my story. Like, it is so boring now. I'm over it. It's painful and I'm over it and it's not necessary and it's not serving me and it's old news, right? Old news. So this idea of being awake or waking up just means we get to see the street and the hole and the, you know, all that goes with it or the imagining that that there's no windows and no doors. This is what the mind does. So what we can control is how we speak, what we say, what comes out of our mouth that can cause a whole lot of damage. Words can be magical and beautiful and uniting and connecting. 
And words can be devastating and destroying and tear people apart. And so if we have that moment, the space in between, again, like the Viktor Frankl quote last night, being aware of that space in between is where our opportunity for difference and change lies. Same with our actions. So why retreat is so beautiful is we're going into this very slow, incremental view of how we operate. And then the same with the mind. You know, the mind is considered a sixth sense door in the mindfulness tradition. So we have the typical five senses. And then the mind is also considered a sense door. And so what that can mean is thoughts do come in, right? So so we can say we can control our thoughts, but it's not necessarily the arising of them. But what happens with them next is very much what we can work with. And so we can either fall into this cycle of um, proliferation, believing it, milking it, working it. And I'm talking about sort of like the, the unskillful, unwholesome sort of painful thoughts and ruminations. Or we can recognize and stop the cycle right there and move it in a different direction. It's like this idea between, um, you know, bewilderment, as it's called, or searching. And so the bewilderment would be in the continuing of, how did I fall in the hole? I'm going to keep using this story as a reference, you know. I don't get it. I don't know how to get out. I keep doing this thing over and over again, and, and I don't understand bewilderment. The searching would be saying, I'm, I'm done. I've had enough. I've played this story out before. I don't want to do it anymore. And start on this path towards awakening and clarity and growth. And so that's what you guys are doing here. It's that moment of saying no more. Change. So one of my little stories around this, but it was a big, it was a big um, change in my life as I grew up feeling relatively unloved. Um, I grew up in a typically from the outside normal looking family, but there was enough negligence from the parents where I felt unloved. Um, and so I had this loneliness story that I carried around with me. Right? So my story was loneliness. And nobody really saw me, and nobody really cared that much. And um, so as a teenager, my lonely hole, I filled it and filled it and filled it with relationships and sex and promiscuity. And that was like the monster... I had to find a way to fill that loneliness because I knew loneliness could only be fixed by another person or persons. And the deeper I got into this, the more I had to have. And the more I had to have, the more harm I was causing myself and a lot of other people. 
right? So I was in this really intense cycle of trying to get rid of something through an external source. That was my hole. It wasn't my fault. I kept going down that street. Until I found this practice. And when I found this practice, I got really interested in my loneliness because I had teachers talking about this internal space and not being, you know, looking externally for our happiness. Okay, I believe you. And through work, and work, and work, instead of going out, it's like, okay, what is, I started feeling into the way we keep talking about meeting experience, I kept meeting the experience of loneliness. What does loneliness feel like? Feel like? Well, loneliness feels empty, feels numb, it feels, it feels, um, hollow. You know, so I just sort of really explored the sensations of loneliness. Every time that arising would come and I'd want to reach the telephone or go out or meet somebody or every time that arose, I would allow myself to get very intimate and very close to and with what loneliness felt like. The more I did this, the more I started caring about myself, the more I started loving the lonely Joanna the more I started holding and actually quite liking that experience a little bit. There was a tenderness to it. There was an aliveness to it. I became very interested in my loneliness. And the more I got interested in it, the less I needed to look outside. I stopped needing to fill that loneliness. And actually a different vulnerability and intimacy grew within myself. And when I think about it, Now, it's sort of like, you know, with little kids, how they think there's a monster under the bed or in the closet, and you go and show them, and it's only a stuffed animal, you know, or just something that was blowing in the wind. So often, we're afraid to get really close to and come into contact with certain pains because we don't understand them and we don't know them, but sometimes they're not as big and scary as we think they are. Sometimes if we really allow ourselves to get close to our tender spots, even our deepest fears, it's really really more okay than the pain and the suffering that we cause in trying to escape from it. I caused a lot of pain and suffering trying to escape from my loneliness to multiple people and not only myself. Because I was afraid to just be lonely. To just figure out what that was. You know, we do it with food. We do it with alcohol. We do it with spending too much money. We do it with even the internet. You know, you guys have seen now probably like how much you use that thing to not have to feel. And when we renounce something like that, like now, you know, day four, you guys might kind of be like, oh, I don't actually, gosh, when I get home, I might not do that such and such so much you realize you actually don't need stuff so much. But we're just filling those places that feel too scary to actually look at. But here you've actually been looking. And sometimes very difficult and very hard and there's tears and there's heartbreak and there's regret and there's forgiveness, right? 
But the option, the option of staying in that forever is much worse. You know, that Sisyphusian sort of cycle. Like, imagine, like, over and over and over again having to do that. When there's this other option. So it takes this diligence and this perseverance. It really does. This is a, you know, and I'm going to throw it out there now, even though this is a secular retreat. This is a spiritual practice. (laughs) This takes something real, a certain kind of faith. And I'm not talking about a faith in unseen beings. And that's okay, too. But I'm talking about a true faith in seeing how this works it's kind of like the proof is in the, the proof is there if we pay attention to these things and we stay with them and are diligent change happens and i wish i could tell you it's instant and it's immediate and it's magic and you know you're going to leave and nobody's going to recognize you and you know <laughs> But what my encouragement is, is, you know, Aaron and I have been doing this a long time, and so have many of you in this room. And all I know is that my life changed. (laughs) And it changed drastically. And it's for so much the better. I mean, I barely wake up not happy in the morning. It doesn't often happen. And I lived that way, you know, for many, many, many years. So I say that with encouragement, and I say that with um, true faith and belief in in this very pragmatic system. And the pragmatism is in paying attention to what is happening and what the outcome is if I do this or if I do this. If I fall into the hole or if I don't. So, one quote. It's one of my all-time favorites. It's Harriet Tubman. If you hear the dogs... Keep going. If you see the torches in the woods, keep going. If they're shouting after you, keep going. Don't ever stop. Keep going. If you want a taste of freedom, keep going. Keep going. Let's sit for just a second and then I will 
open up for a couple of questions. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.